Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by the new Squarespace. Squarespace introduces a new content management system, making it faster and easier to create a high-quality website or blog. Plus, mobile responsive designs with automatic device scaling and more than 50 other new features. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, go to squarespace.com slash twip and use the offer code TWIP8. This week on TWIP, thoughts on Curiosity's Mars landing, significant firmware updates from Canon and Pocket Wizard, the Washington, D.C. police announce a new cell phone and camera policy, and an interview with Gary Lassman from GoPixit.com. It's Wednesday, August 8, 2012, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today on this week's show to discuss some interesting things that are going on this week are Mr. Don Komarechka and Mr. Sil Arena. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hey, Frederick. Hey, Frederick. All right. Sil, Sil you, have the, you have the honors of being the guy that hasn't been on since, I don't know, what, 2009 or something? What, what, <laughs> what, have, what have you been up to? What's going on in the world of the arena? Well, uh, I have been on my epic summer road trip for the last seven weeks. I let, rolled out of Paso Robles um, just before Father's Day, and I'm now in Maine, having reached the uh, eastern terminus of my odyssey. So, what are you, what are you um, doing? Are you on some like... I've crossed, I've done, I crossed all over the country several times, actually, doing workshops and chasing photographic opportunities. Very cool. So you're not, you're not like doing a cross-country juicing fast or anything like that, are you? No, 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 no. You know, I mean, I'm doing the fast food thing across the country, <laughs> but not the juicing fast. Nice, nice, very cool. So, any any uh, any notable adventures between Paso Robles and Maine that you want to talk about? Oh God, there's so many, Frederick. Um, so I had a great week in Santa Fe. Did a large light workshop there, and then um, kind of migrated into the Midwest, and I spent. Handful of days in the western part of Kentucky and learned the important distinction. Eastern Kentucky apparently is where the hillbillies live, and western Kentucky is where all the hippies live. So I got to photograph um, a couple of genuine moonshiners and uh, some coal miners and woodworkers, just basically trying to do the working man kind of portrait thing right now. Uh, went up to Chicago, photographed meat cutters and of course you know beef in chicago is a huge industry so that was really really cool because i'd never seen beef being cut like this for you know major restaurants and uh then rolled out to new york and then eventually made my way up here to maine where i'll be for the next two and a half weeks now, so, so, have so some interesting shoots lined up here with lobstermen and other mainers boat builders and so on no, so what are so are you are these just self-assignments or are you are you on assignment for a client uh, I'm on assignment for Peach Pit Press. <laughs> got it, for a book. <laughs> got to get my book done. Um, most of this year, I've been working off and on, um, and for the last six weeks, it's been almost totally on, uh, for my new book, Light and Lighting, which is going to go to press on the 2nd of September, they tell me. So um, it's a great little book. It's part of their 
Snapshots to Great Shot series, and it covers fundamental ways to understand and look at light, and then basically the you know the basics of how to apply an awareness of light to all different types of photography. So. I'm using the book as an excuse to get out on the road and do all of these great shoots. Uh, yeah, so many of them are personal assignments kind of wrapped up in the idea that maybe one or two shots will end up in the book. And in the meantime, I'm having a great time Very cool. uh, photographing my way across the country. Very cool. What a good way to get a trip across the country and make it tax deductible. Way to go. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know what's going on here. <laughs> All right, and also on the show is Mr. Don Komarechka, our neighbor to the north. Hey, Don, what's going on? Oh, not too much, Frederick. Uh, just in the middle of uh, art show season right now, so that's keeping me quite busy uh, trying to get my work out there and all the, the local shows. And that's sort of tedious work, but it needs to be done now and again. And uh, to keep my mind at ease, I'm prepping for my uh, my next travels, which will be up to the Yukon Wilderness in about a month's time. So getting everything ready for that and crossing things off my checklist. And what's going to happen in the Yukon? What are you doing there? Uh, well, uh, I'm going to be up there with nothing but time and a camera. Uh, I'm going to be traveling, like I said, pretty much into the wilderness uh, with a group of hunters who are uh, headed up by my uncle, who's invited me along to uh, to just see the sights and uh, and enjoy the, uh, the the free fresh air. And uh, I'm going to be bringing along my brand new uh, Canon 1DX, and uh, just picked up yesterday a 24 millimeter. F1.4 lens to oh. do some night sky shots, and uh, pretty excited to see the results. Uh, but you're not bragging. All right, also... No, oh, no, no, never. <laughs> also, just joining us, we weren't sure if she was going to be able to join us because she was stuck in L.A. traffic, uh, Miss Sarah France. Hey, Sarah, how you doing? Good, how are you guys? We're doing good. We're doing good. I'm glad you, you made it in. I was thinking you were going to be out of breath because you said you were, you were stuck in traffic trying to make it to the show. You, you didn't run anybody over, did you? Um, just a couple old ladies, but it's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, we were just, you're, you're just in time. Cause we were just at the point where I would be asking you, what are you up to and what's been going on in the world of France? Um, well, we've been super busy with the wedding season and everything else. I think I have like five shoots this weekend, um, on all two weddings and like three different portrait shoots. So it's a busy season for us. And, um, I got another wedding featured with Apple, so you can see another one of my weddings on all the computers in the Apple stores. So oh, that's really we're cool. super excited about that. That came out a couple of weeks ago. Now, well, where where are those? Are they like on the walls in there? Are they, or did you launch one of the computers and look in Aperture and you'll see your images in there? No, they're actually in iPhoto or anytime you're looking at photos in um, any of the computers. So if you're looking at MacBook Pro or something and you're checking out some of the photos in iPhoto, you'll see um, Rebecca and Jay is actually what they called it, even though that's not the groom's real name. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave his real name anonymous. But um, but yeah, it's really cool to see it in there. They made an album and um, just kind of showed all the different things that you can do in iPhoto with those photos, which was, it's really neat to see. They may end up in one of the advertisements or something like that um, in the future. But um, for now, they're just on all the computers, which is great. Very cool. That's awesome. Congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. It's exciting. Always a fun thing. So there's a listener question in here that I'm going to throw at you that it's specifically about um, model releases for for doing stuff like that. So you're, you're ideally suited to answer that one. So just, I am. Just be braced for it. 
All right, guys. Well, welcome to you guys. Today on the show, the topics that we're going to be covering are the we're going to be geeking out on the the recent Mars mission, Curiosity. The Mars rover landed um, and uh, is doing the Shutterbug thing up there, taking pictures. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some new firmware updates for the Canon 7D and Pocket Wizards. And a funny thing we're going to touch on a little bit is there's a new app out there that will help you remove baby photos from your Facebook news feed. So if you're sick of seeing baby photos float by all the time, um, you can run this app and it will remove them. I don't know how it works, but we're going to talk about it a little bit. And also we're going to, you know, on TWIP, we're always talking about legal stuff or from time to time. So we're going to touch on the D.C. police announcing a new cell phone and camera policy. Essentially, um, they're taking the high road and saying that uh, it is, in fact, legal to take photos of police officers as long as you're not interfering with their duty. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Plus, there's a cool interview with Gary Lassman. He's the guy behind a company called Go Pixit. Dot com. All that is in this crazy episode of This Week in Photo. A quick reminder, guys, as I mentioned last week, I'm happy to announce that This Week in Photo, or TWIP, is partnering with Creative Live. So this is basically an effort to bring a wider selection of photography interviews into the TWIP fold, into the show, as well as sharing with you guys, the audience, some of the amazingly cool long-form workshops that Creative Live offers. So for me, this is a huge win for the listeners, for Creative Live, and for TWIP. So basically, the way Creative Live has set things up is, which is really cool, is you can watch all of their workshops for free live so you can sit there and watch them all day long these are long form like i said so they go on three days nine to nine to four um typically some are some are longer some are shorter but they're they're like you're sitting in a workshop sitting in there watching the workshop asking questions interacting all that and you do all that for free then if you decide you want to own that workshop and watch it later at your own leisure, you can purchase it and download the videos. And that's really, in a nutshell, how the whole thing works. So coming up, their next workshops, and these guys, I'm going to interview these guys hopefully within the next couple of days so you'll hear interviews from them. Uh, Joe Busink is going to come on. I'm going to talk to him about wedding photography. And he's coming. He's going on Creative Live August 9th through 11th. Lee Varis, who I'm a big fan of, he's got a book called Skin Out on photographing and retouching. Yeah, you guessed it, skin. And then finally, Sue Bryce, who I've been trading emails with today. She's a, a uh, Aussie photographer that has really carved out a name in beauty photography of women. And she's doing a, a five-day event on Creative Live on how to do beauty photography of women. So it's really cool. She's already got a, a, a workshop on Creative Live right now that I'm in the middle of watching, and it's really, really cool. It's just really cool to see the format that they do these things in. In the workshop I'm watching, she actually had five people, five uh, attendees of the workshop in the room, and she did before and afters of them. So they became not only the students, but also the subjects of the uh, of the uh, photography so it's really cool stuff so check them all out you can check out these these upcoming three workshops and other workshops on the creativelive.com website so happy to have creative live on as a partner all right guys let's jump into the news first up we were geeking out a little bit hey sarah before you joined uh actually before we started the call we uh uh don and sill and i were geeking out about our level of 
nerdness with regarding to Mars and the Curiosity. So here's a test for you. Do you care about Curiosity and the Mars landing? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> here's mean, a hint. Here's a hint. You're surrounded I'm, by I'm, geeks. I'm not sitting around a campfire like <laughs> discussing it in length. We'll go there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we'll diminish your participation in this part of the conversation. <laughs> Yeah, I'll let, I'll let you guys geek out. All right. Well, we're we're going to geek out a little bit. I got my little propeller hat on and everything. Um, so, Don, I want to I go with you first. So, and a lot of listeners may be thinking, okay, what does a Mars, what does Mars and NASA and Curiosity have to do with photography? What do you think it has to do with photography, especially from you, Mr. You know, world, microscopic worlds? What do you, what do you think about this, this landing and its impact? Well, I think it's huge. Uh I was trying to count the number of cameras that are on uh, the rover, uh, Curiosity. I think there are 16 cameras that, that capture light as we know it, and of course all the different sensors for uh, x-rays and, and chemistry and, and all of that fun stuff. But uh, I mean, I, I like to photograph these, uh, I, I guess I could say the unseen world, uh, and that's exactly what Curiosity is doing. So it's right up my alley. I, I look at what it's I guess its major mission is, and it's trying to find water on Mars, and it's trying to find levels of background radiation and signs of life and, and all of these wonderful, fascinating things that uh, I'm, I'm just thrilled to see where this next level of, uh, of technology is going to take us, and photography is the main tool to do it. Isn't that amazing? Now, Sil, Sil Arena, you're one whose hair is roughly the color of the surface of Mars. So what, what do you think about this? I mean, for me, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge astronomy geek. You know, I just love this stuff. I, could, I'm, I was watching documentaries earlier today before the show on this stuff. So, but what comes to mind with us going to Mars again and spending $2.5 billion to get there looking for water and all that stuff is why? I mean... You know, just should we be doing that or should we be going to, I don't know, maybe a moon on Saturn trying to get there or something? What do you, what do you think, so? Oh, I, I, I think it's fabulous that we're there. And kudos to all the engineers who figured out this crazy way to get uh, the rover down on the surface. There's a fabulous video that NASA has up. I think it's on the JPL site. Yeah. And it's a, it's a discussion with several engineers. It's like five and a half minutes long and just is a student in motion and editing. It's really, really well done and really entertaining. And if you're not familiar with what it took to get this thing on the ground on Mars, you got to check it out. It's called Seven Minutes of Terror. Yeah. And it's absolutely crazy what these guys did. Um, and, you know, frankly, yeah, it's really, really expensive to do this. But I think it's important for mankind to continue to reach out and continue to explore because – Gosh, if we just throw it off in the future and say somebody else can do it in the future when we actually have a $2.5 billion you know, checkbook, uh, it, we'll never get it out there. We'll never really understand. Yeah. And uh, kudos, again, to the engineers who figured out how to do this and actually pull it off. It was a zero-tolerance kind of entry, and they made it. Yeah, I gotta. I have to echo that. That it's hard to get your brain around the complexity and the talent and the math that it took to take something from this planet and put it in a crater on another planet without damaging it. <laughs> That's just yeah, and the, la- and the last part of it, Frederick, it, you know, it, they had this literally they had this rocket pod that lowered the rover to the Martian surface. That was the last step. So they had a parachute that you know pulled out 
at like 900 miles an hour. And then they kick, they let go of the parachute and this rocket pod pops out and then it lowers the, the rover on a tether. I mean, the thing is absolutely crazy. You could not make this up in Hollywood and sell the script. I know. That's that is, how crazy it is. It is total, total science fiction. And now we have a flying saucer that we made that's on Mars, right? Exactly. <laughs> that's cool. And I think I'm not 100% sure, but I think all of these designs were, uh, like the proposals were accepted in 2004. So like, this has been going on for quite a few years. It's been eight years in the design phase where they had all of these ideas and, and they now finally get to see the results. And I think that's also one of the reasons as I was reading, that uh, the cameras inside Curiosity are only two megapixel sensors uh, because they were, you know, proposed in that design from from eight years ago, and uh, and that sort of stuck with it. You can't really go back on those original engineering designs. Oh man, I didn't even think about that. Isn't that crazy? I mean, they because I knew I knew that this is you know this mission. They didn't just think of it last week and launch it this week. So. It, I didn't realize that the technology that was specified in the designs couldn't be altered up to the, I mean, something as critical to the mission as imaging, you'd think that they want to have state-of-the-art on there for something this expensive and this critical to the future of NASA. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Don, why, why, why couldn't they just switch it out before they launch the thing? I don't know. Well, another big reason is bandwidth, too, because you've got the two satellites above Mars right now that are transmitting data back to Earth. And I think it's uh, 200 or 250 megabits per day, mm. uh, which is, you know, divide that by eight to get megabytes. And you don't have a whole lot of bandwidth. And that's not just for the cameras that are taking pretty pictures, but the navigation cameras to move it around and all of the other uh, scientific equipment and communication. So if you had cameras that could take big pictures, you probably couldn't do much with them. So there's another reason why you can't have very high-resolution cameras uh, on there. But uh, a lot of the engineers were very, very familiar with the architecture and the circuitry of those sensors being used in the cameras. So if anything does go wrong, it's a lot easier for them to fix them, too. Got it. Got it. Very interesting. I mean, this, this space stuff is I – could, I could talk about this. It could be this week in – Astrophysics. I don't know. <laughs> but let's okay. move on. Sign me up, Frederick, as an expert witness. <laughs> let's uh, let's switch the discussion back wholeheartedly over to photography. Um, Canon has issued a firmware update for the 7D. So the that's what we, so we're going to talk about the the 7D update and also Pocket Wizards. But the 7D update, we have a list in the show notes here of of what the features were that are in this new firmware update, and they're pretty substantial i mean improved maximum burst for raw images up to 25 now in camera raw image editing in camera image rating in camera jpeg resizing the maximum iso setting is now 400 to 6400 um which seems wrong oh maximum auto iso setting okay and then um, it's got a manual audio level adjustment for movie recording and on and on GPS compatibility, file naming, all this stuff inside this firmware update. So Sarah France, I'm going to throw this to you. You're a Canon shooter. This could potentially impact you and those five events you have to do over the next couple of days. Um, are you going to update your camera before you go out and shoot these events? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't currently use a 7D, but um, I would jump on this firmware upgrade. I mean, why not? They're like allowing you to take new um, technology and add it to an existing product for free. I mean, 
Yeah. Which sounds fantastic. It right? does. If it's, I was a seven D shooter, I'd I'd be jumping all over this. I mean, I I I think there's two types of people. There's the wait and see people and there's the early adopters and you know, I just happen to fall in the category of early adopter. So um that's a personality thing more than anything. So I think yeah, it'll yeah. be a difference of if you're wanting to just, you know, give it a shot. But all of these all of these improvements seem just like really just imp- improvements. So not like major adjustments that you're going to have to figure out how to use or or um, have issues with. So I'd say go for it. I don't know. I mean, I mean, we're rolling off the story of the Mars curiosity and the amazing technology and math and and just sheer brain power that it took to put that thing up there. Then I look at this story about them updating features in this camera and it just seems like they, I mean, and this is me, armchair quarterback, of course. I have no insight into Canon or anything. So, but I'm thinking, why is this stuff just showing up now? I mean, you, you couldn't have coded this to do this earlier? Or is it just a momentum-keeping thing? They, they're going to trickle out these different improvements so that, you know, they keep interest and they have something to talk about. So, do you think that, I mean, is it is is it just me? Am I being a uh, conspiracy theorist? Or are they really working and they finally figured out how to do in-camera raw image editing? Mm-hmm. I have I no idea. I, ha- I don't know. Um, I think... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, sorry, go ahead. Jump in. No, I th- I think that there is um I think that they are trying to do some improvements on an existing unit that are basically just need some updates cuz the 7D didn't come out yesterday. So, right. the, you know, a lot of these adjustments that they're coming out with are trying to bring in a little more up to date, but um you know, I don't think any of these are like anything major and amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Don, what, what about you? You're, are you a Canon or Nikon shooter? I forget. I'm a Canon shooter. Oh, wait. And, I'm looking, uh, and I'm, I'm going to go with at you, your... Frederick, with that conspiracy theory here. Um, but I think it has to do, and this is just a, a, an idea of mine, with patents. And if you think about it, every camera manufacturer has their own sort of portfolio of patents. But in order to put a, a digital SLR out today, I'm certain that they've got a license patents from one company uh, or another. And... I, I, I'm trying to think here, and in most cases, you won't see camera manufacturers updating firmware after it's uh, after a product has been pushed out, because if it's a, a licensed patent, then they have to retroactively pay whoever owns that patent to uh, to actually you know put that in place, and and the company can lose money to do so. Uh, also, it can hurt the sales of newer products. So I'm guessing that this means that the uh, 7D replacement is not coming anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunate. Interesting. I don't know. You know, I, I, I try to look at this stuff as, okay, yeah, this is, this is good. I, I imagine a room of engineers busily, you know, cr- cranking away at their computers and they, you know, they have this release and they put it out there and they hope the world likes it. But then the conspiracy theorist in me is like, okay, they may have dozens of features that they could have put in and some CEO or marketing guy said, no, don't put those in yet because we're going to release those in August. You know, that kind of thing. I don't know. But and it's a slippery slope because you, uh, you don't want the manufacturers to just think, oh, well, we can rush it to market and we can fix it later. Uh, I'd hate to see that happen. So, 
Yeah. You know, well, regardless, we have some pretty, you know, if you have a 7D, this is a really cool update, apparently. I mean, there's a ton of stuff in here. So definitely check that out. Um, the other the other piece of hardware uh, that got updated is Pocket Wizards. And I know, Sil, you were, I know you, you, you are very familiar with Pocket Wizards. I know that. Um, I don't know how much so now that Canon came out with their wireless strobes and all that. What do you, what do you think about this update? Tell us, tell us what it was. So I I pulled up the the press release from Pocket Wizard earlier this week and I'm looking at it again, um, you know hey it's a step in the right direction because on the Canon side and that's that's the side that I'm interested in of course, um, they've added functionality for the new generation the 600EX speed light, um, but I have to confess it's kind of a head scratcher because. I'm not sure why what they're doing, and, I, and I'm actually since I'm in Maine, I'm thinking, well, maybe next week I'm gonna take a drive over to see him. It's like five hours away, oh, okay. and ask him to explain it to me because with the radio built in now in the 600EXRT and the STE3 transmitter, um, one has to wonder why do you need the the pocket wizards unless, of course, it's because you're trying to integrate legacy speed lights that. Don't don't have the radio like the 580EX2 and the 430EX, and yet they don't have compatibility yet. And I know they're working on this, but they don't have compatibility with the 5D Mark III. Um, and that's really the 5D Mark III, the 1DX, the, the new uh, T4i Rebel. This new generation of cameras is where the new generation of speed lights really, really begins to sing. 600EX and the SD3 are really nice, 5D Mark II, but you put a 5D Mark III, and there's an entirely new um, mode called group, and the ability to turn up to five different groups into either manual or ETTL. We can turn them on and off like light switches, but you've got to have a newer camera to do this. And so, so I'm scratching my head saying, I'm not sure where Pocket Wizard is going to go with this in terms of integrating with Canon's radio-based gear, but it is really encouraging because, as you may recall, when they first came out with the Mini and the Flex, there were a lot of radio frequency issues or interference issues with the Canon gear, um, and, there, and it was like a year and a half before they brought out this gear for the Nikon. Um, so they work, they're working really, really hard to, to integrate this, but, you know, at $250 a unit, boy, it's almost, for me, it's like a no-brainer to say, I'm just going to... Get rid of the stuff in the middle and go straight to the radio-based speed lights and transmitters with all of it built in. Yeah, you know what I I, I think about that is uh, it would be great to live in a world where everyone could just get the latest and greatest of everything and have the best body and the the state-of-the-art strobes and all that stuff. But I think where Pocket Wizard and and for a while Pocket Wizard was state-of-the-art when it came to wireless TTL and all that stuff. Um, Absolutely. And but what I think what I and what I think might be happening is as these camera manufacturers decide to integrate these technologies into the hardware that people are going to buy off the shelf or off Amazon or wherever or B and H, that they're we're looking at the point or the top of the pyramid there of people that have the latest and greatest gear. That what's left is that gigantic footprint of the rest of the pyramid of people that have not the latest and greatest gear. Maybe they got last year's body, last year's strobes, or even beyond. I still have some strobes from like five years ago that I could 
theoretically plug into this, you know, to the Pocket Wizard system and use that. So you could, using Pocket Wizard technology, this is me being devil's advocate, using Pocket Wizard technology, you could put together a really robust, powerful wireless TTL system with cheap strobes now, right? So, well, I think that's a fallacy though, because if you look at like the 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 580 EX. Um, or the 580EX2, you know, the, the, yeah, they're less expensive than they used to be, but they're not like buying a $20 strobe because you're right. still spending 200 bucks to, to get this control device that you want to slip it into. Um, and, you know, my view is, look, if you've got a 580EX, um, particularly if you've got a 580EX2, maybe it's time to eat that thing if what you really want is integrated uh, integrated control. And I, I just got to tell you, I think the new user interface, I didn't truly expect to like this new system as much as I do. Um, the, the user interface, the screen design, the way that it integrates and you get on-camera control, um, it's made my life a heck of a lot easier. I blogged a shoot I did in San Francisco on Pixelated today, and it was a shoot that literally, yeah, I could have bolted in at $750 worth of Pocket Wizard gear to do what essentially now the gear can do built in and actually, you know, natively, I think is is always the way to go. That said, I really do respect the guys at Pocket Wizard, and I want to have a conversation and say, what am I missing? Because I, I I do understand in the case of the previous generations that don't have built-in radio, yeah, you got to have it. But the main focus of this new firmware update for the Mini and the Flex was to integrate um, the new radio-based speed lights, the 600EXRT. Yeah. So I just, I'm, I'm missing something here. I'm not really sure where they're going. And I'm going to, like I say, maybe drive over to Vermont next week and sit down with them and say, lay it out for me. Tell me what I'm missing. Now, Don, Don Komareczka, does, does wireless speed light or strobe technology have a place in your kit at any point? Very little. Uh, if I'm doing, uh, like, a lot of my macro photography is using flash, of course, but it, the flash is always going to be mounted to the camera because it's going to be on a cord. Um, I, I did notice that on the, the new Speedlight, um, or sorry, on, on the new Pocket Wizard upgrade, that the, um, the 5D Mark III and the 1DX and I think the Rebel T4i are still not supported by their, uh, their software, and they're working on fixes for that. Um, so who knows what advances they'll have. If you look at their uh, their notes, uh, the change log, I guess uh, you'd call it, of all the changes that they have made in this latest upgrade, it just goes on and on and on. There's tons of little fixes and improvements all over the place. And I think that it's great that they're still updating and that they're trying to keep themselves relevant, and they have to. Um, but I think Syl is right that with the new system that Canon has has come out with, with the uh, the 600 and the SDE3 and any new speed lights that they come out with that are radio Pocket Wizards are in hot water, and not just from Canon. I'm sure everybody else is going to be following suit as well. So it's interesting to see where they uh, where they'll go. Yeah, Sarah, what about you? Are you are you a wireless person? Like when you're shooting weddings, particularly, do you go wireless or are you uh, you using wired? Uh, yeah, we're using a combination of both, and I've been having this conversation with so many photographers lately. Um, you know, I was talking to Bob Davis about this yesterday, actually, and there's. You know, the 600 is just, it makes everything so much simpler. And I've done everything from, you know, I, I've used Pocket Wizards. Um, I've used all sorts of different technology to, to do this. And I never, it's always clunky to me. So I'm really excited about the 600s. And I think that there are still a few things that they don't do as well as some of um, the other radio slaves. But um 
The only thing I know about in particular is just some range issues, like um, or frequency issues, because they're sim- they have kind of a similar frequency to like a Wi-Fi frequency. So if you're in an area that has um, a lot of Wi-Fi issues or disturbance, then you might have an issue with the with the flashes. So there's that is about the only thing I can see of having a backup option for it. And to be honest, like I think Pocket Wizard is smart for making this technology to to include the 600 because if something fails on that, I need a backup. And I don't want to not be able to use my remote flash if I need to. So, um, you know, I might hold on to my Pocket Wizards if they do a if they do an update and include you know, the 600 in their lineup, which it sounds like they just did. So just as a backup option in case something isn't quite working, working quite right. So that's the only thing I can think of as to what the advantage would be. But I'm definitely one of the ones who's going to be converting and throwing out the majority of, um, of the additional things that they're having to bring to use these remote flashes and, and just going with the 600s and, for the majority of what I'm going to be doing, I'm sure there's going to be no issue at all. So I'm excited to use them. Now, have you have you upgraded your strobes? How many how many 600s do you have now? So I rented a couple this weekend to just test them out and see if I liked them because I didn't want to jump ship too quick and then have you know have it not be great. So I liked it, and um, so I care. I have two flashes that I use. Um, and I usually have them off camera, so I'll I'll just replace those two and and be good to go. Very cool. All right. Well, we'll yeah, have, we'll have to keep an hey, eye on hey, this. Sarah, really quick. Go ahead. Sarah. Um, that there is um, look in the manual or look online. There is a meter on the back of both the a meter mode on the 600EX and the STE3 that surveys all the 16 wireless channels in that frequency band, and you can it'll tell you which channel is the best one to use. So it just sniffs them all out, and it says, you know, go to number thirteen. That's the that's got the strongest signal. Awesome. So if you find yourself in a situ- find yourself in a situation where um, you've got a lot of interference, just so it'll tell you which channel to switch everything over to. Cool! I can't wait. This sounds so awesome. Very cool. You can, and people are so lucky. I'm so sad. <laughs> <laughs> Been so- a long time coming. We got. Tomorrow's quicker than we got this radio based system. <laughs> I know. Yes, I mean, how many did. companies had to come out with, you know, adapters or things to help us do what we wanted to do? It's exciting that they finally caught on. I know it. I know it. Let's let's hope their their innovation is the uh, the tide that raises all ships. Nikon, are yes. you listening? <laughs> so, I need some wireless in my Nikon here. None, none of this line of sight infrared stuff. All right. Uh, the next story that we're going to talk about is about Washington, D.C. Um, so the Washington, D.C. police have announced a new cell phone and camera policy. So the uh, police chief, um, Kathy Lanier, um, explains that, you know, basically she went through the constitutional rights of D.C. citizens. And in the first and, sec- first and second sections of the document, she spelled out that the fact the members of the public have the right to record police officers through various mediums, video, still, that kind of thing. And the directive also makes it very clear that officers cannot ask people to delete images or recordings from their devices. So, Syl, you're first on this. 
this seems like common sense. I mean, I'm happy that it's going down like this and that, that they're taking that step forward. But it seems like it's almost like, hey, we are, we're not going to beat people <laughs> for no reason. It's like We already should have had these rights, right? I mean, am I missing something? No. I, you know, I, what I think this is, and hopefully this is the beginning of uh, a more global turn back towards common sense. Um, you know, frankly, the last 10, 12 years since 9-11, um, obviously we've lost a tremendous amount of our, our freedoms in terms of being able to take photographs. So it's great that it's in D.C., because certainly with the news media there, uh, hopefully they'll get the word out and um, – We'll see a, a trend because it does seem that there have been tremendous infractions. I mean, I love the T-shirts that say, you know, uh, photography is not a crime. Yeah. And I totally support that. And it is it is hard for, you know, policemen. I mean, they've, they've got incredibly stressful, difficult, and important jobs to do. Um, but for a member of the public to stand in the public domain and to, to not be able to take photographs is really an infringement of, you know, freedom of speech and all of that. So kudos to uh, the lady police chief uh, in, in D.C. I think it's hopefully, like I say, the first in many changes in public policy across this country and hopefully around the world in this regard. And speaking of around the world, Don, in Canada up there, you know, we, we talk on, on This Week in Photo a lot about the different infractions against photographers around the world, London, here, etc., um, how photographers' rights are being trampled on. What's your perception of photographers' rights and um, that kind of stuff in Canada? We, we're pretty free. Uh, you can photograph pretty much anywhere on public property, uh, even into private property, as long as you're in public space. And uh, there, there are a few exceptions to that. Um, I've, I've been told by police not to photograph uh, in uh, the Toronto subway uh, system before, only to go home and do some research and found out that I am allowed to photograph there. So um, it, it's interesting. Sometimes you're told that you can't, even though in most cases you can. And uh, and I hope that along with this uh, Washington, D.C., uh, I, I think that this system as, as it's laid out, is just absolutely perfect. But whether or not the officers follow it to the T is going to be the question that we'll have to yep. see answered with time. Um, it leaves a lot of room open for uh, the officers to just make any claim that you, uh, you are misbehaving or doing something um, of ill intent, and, and they can go after you just the same as they always could. So um, let's just hope that the, the police officers stay honest, the photographers are there to keep them honest, and, uh, and everybody's happy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right. Um, so this last story that uh, was, uh, I don't think we need to spend any time on it. I'm going to give the URL. It's unbaby.me is an extension for Google Chrome that will take um, unwanted baby photos from your your news feed, uh, presumably your Flickr feed or your, um, your Facebook feed and replace them with awesome quote images. So um, check that out. We'll link to that in the show notes. It's just a little interesting thing of how people are manipulating images online through extensions for Google Chrome. All right. Um, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor. This show is sponsored by Squarespace.com. They're the fast and easy way to create a high quality website or blog. Squarespace has launched a new content management system and it's cleverly titled 
the new Squarespace. And from a technical perspective, this is uh, it's enti- it's pretty much a new product with a different code base. It uses the latest web technologies like HTML5, CS3, JavaScript, all that stuff for speed and flexibility. And for when you want to expand it, they can do it much easier now than they could with the previous code base. But from a user perspective, the new Squarespace gives you a really powerful mobile experience now. So with some some platforms, when you want to make sure your site looks right on, say, an iPad or an iPhone or an Android device, etc., you have to jump through some hoops to get it to look correct on those devices out of the box on Squarespace. So as you develop their servers detect what's looking at your site and deliver the correct version of the site. They've got new templates that are mobile ready um, with responsive designs and responsive means, like I was just saying, responsive means that the site automatically restructures to any size site. So even if you look at a responsive site in a regular computer web browser and shrink the window down, it reformats itself so that it looks good for whatever window size you're looking at it in. So, It's really cool. It's faster and easier than ever. They've got drag and drop. They've got a new powerful page builder tool in there called the Layout Engine that allows you to customize your pages by adding blocks of content like photos, video, text, and that sort of thing, which makes it just overall easier for people that are just new to designing websites or don't want to be a web designer. You just want to get your stuff out there and it looking great, they make it really easy to do. So check it out. If you want to get a free trial, just head over to squarespace.com slash twip. That's squarespace.com slash twip. Sign up for a free account. You don't need a credit card. You can try it out. Build your website. Then if you decide you want to purchase that website, just use the code twip8. That's twip and the number eight. And you'll get 10% off your first purchase on new accounts. And this is including monthly and annual plan. So, and also they are including free domain registration with the annual plan subscription. So if you have an idea for a website and you find a domain, you can do the whole thing all at once and you get the domain for free. So that's squarespace.com slash twip and use the offer code twip8. All right. Uh, right now we're just going to jump into an interview that I did with Mr. Gary Lastman. He's the guy behind gopixit.com. Um, he's going to, we're going to talk about his new, their new service and how photographers can use that service to show off and sell their photography. So let's give that a listen now. I'm here with Mr. Gary Lastman. He's the founder and CEO of a brand new company called Go Pixit. Of course, you can find them at gopixit.com. Oh, um, it's a brand new company, so without giving it away, I'm gonna I'm just gonna have a, a a brief informal conversation with Gary about the company itself, why he built it, what problems they're solving, and just all that good stuff. Sounds like they're doing something something really innovative innovative over there. So we're going to dive into it and see exactly what the Go Pixit crew is up to. So Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here and uh, it's definitely a warm welcome. I'm excited. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's good. No, thank you for taking the time to do this. So first off, let's just get a quick introduction to who you are. So who is Gary and you know, why did you build this company? Well, I myself, I'm a photographer. Uh, we have a uh, we had a family business which was still running. It's 35 years, and we take grad photos, pretty simple, of university and college students. And it's it was a successful business. And then we got 
kind of stuck in the film and web and what do we do next? And, you know, I was about 30 at the time and I basically told my parents it was their business and they basically said, can we can you help us get up to speed? So I kind of came in and got us web ready and digital. And that was like, now what? We have digital, digital images. We have the records of the students. You know, how do we even sell this? It's still the same thing, mailing out proof. So it kind of started from there. We built our own software. And it actually went really well. Like within like six months, we were kind of up and running. Everything was smooth. Students had their own online login, private, selling, shipping. Everything just worked well. And we kind of like used that for a couple of years. It was about six, six years ago. And then we realized like we should probably be bringing this to market, not in that form, but like, I mean, we're one photographer. I'm sure every photographer out there is looking for the same thing. And we kind of went online. There were a couple of players in the industry that are still there now. And we said we could probably make this better. Um, and if not better, just kind of cater to everyone, not just necessarily in Canada or the States or anything like that. So that's kind of really where the idea came from. And then we had some fun with it and came up with go fix it. So, that's okay, so we... that, that sounds good. So it sounds like the standard, um, you know, entrepreneurial story where you're doing something and you notice a need and you're like, Hey, I can build that and I can build it more targeted or better or something. And then you build it and put it out there. So that the put it out there stage that you're in right now is this week, right? So you just launched. Well, we, we have launched twice before, so that wouldn't be completely accurate. We launched, um, we built one platform and brought it to market. Wasn't great. We took the feedback from them and then we just revamped that up from a design perspective and just casually just brought that to market. But once we got the feedback over the last two years from all those users, we said, now we really have everything we need to kind of go to market. And we literally spent the last year and a half really fine-tuning everything, making it perfect. Every single need from every single photographer, whether it's like multiple price lists or multiple packages or private or there's just so many things. Can I email? Can I Twitter? Can I... We just we took it all and said, "Well, we're ready. We're ready to go." And and that's it. We're we're here. This is like week one, and uh, we kind of just launched. So, oh, that's great. Okay, so what we skipped over is exactly what the business is. So, go picks it. What is the problem that that you are trying to solve? So, take me through it from a you know from the standpoint of I've never heard of Go Picks It, and I'm I'm interested. I'm intrigued. But how would I work it into my business? And is it even for my business? Right. Well, first, I think it's my opinion that every photographer, whether it's this year, 10 years, or 30 years from now, we'll see how the industry develops, will be online in some capacity, whether they're just showcasing their work or selling their work completely 100%. Like, everyone will be online. You can pretty much equate it to any other industry, like banking and things like that. We're all going that way. So, for the professional photographer who's always sent out proofs, mailed them out, met, if they're a wedding photographer, they've met with their clients in a room, and like the frustrations of going through proof books and all that, we've kind of like eliminated all that, where we basically upload, ga- the photographer has the ability to upload their galleries, multi-levels, you can start with the Smith wedding and break it down to convocation, uh, sorry, uh, pre- pre-wedding, the the, uh, the party, after party, and basically throw those proofs up and let 
the you know whoever the uh, the 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 viewers are to basically order straight from there. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. Cool. So it's so it's it sounds like you're merging um, like social sharing and the, the the strength of the social media network or the individual social media networks with proofing and online sales. Is that correct? Correct. And uh, I mean, there's so much more within it. I mean, you had your wedding party. You could have you, know, you could have a preset package where you literally are giving them 58 by 10 or a photo book or whatever you're doing, you can have levels where that's already set up. They have their coupon. They basically pick out everything and all the work is done for the photographer because once the order is put in, the lab retrieves it, they print it. The photographer has the opportunity to still pick it up from their lab and meet with the clients or the lab can just send it out. So we've kind of like stripped all the middle stuff that the photographer hates and just let them shoot, because that's really what photographers like. Not many love post-production, stuff like that. They just want to shoot, love what they do, upload it, and move on to the next client. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. So then we, it, it's funny that you say that, because there's, there's this discussion that I was participating in on Google+. Plus. It was a, there was a video that was um, posted by Gary Fong about a photographer that got into some litigation with his lawyer about... Um, the the photos not being correct, but it was one of those it was one of those weddings where you just shoot and give the customer a burn disc with all the raw images or whatever. Um, right. So my question to you is: so it sounds like this is something where you would kind of swing in 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 the middle of that. So instead of shooting, pulling out your MacBook Pro, burning a disc of all the images, handing it over, taking the check, and walking away, they would shoot, maybe do some rudimentary retouching. Um, and culling to the images, then upload them, and then let them go out there and be shared. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, completely. The photographer still has total control. We're just a platform for them. Um, and, and from there, I mean, they can still protect their images. They can pass or protect the galleries. They can pass or protect certain galleries only families sees and give different, different uh, passwords for the guests. They can pretty much control everything within their gallery, even to the point where they can control the download price for the image. They can control whether they're going to sell by individual print size. They can have different prices for their for some images and different prices for other images. And you can even create packages. And it's kind of endless what you now, can could you, do. Could like, you do free if you wanted to offer, you know, say I did an event for my local community here and, you know, it's a bunch of kids playing in the fountain and I wanted to... Um, you know, give those photos to the parents for free. Maybe that's a bad example because you don't want to be taking pictures of people's kids. But if, you know, say there's something like a parade or something and I'm like, okay, I want to make these available to the community, um, but I don't want to charge them for it. I just want to allow them to look at the proofs, enjoy them, and maybe download them and share them that way. Do you allow the facility to for free digital downloads? Yeah, it's the same, it's the same concept. The photographer will basically upload the gallery and when they set their download price, they set it at zero, and away you go. I mean, we also built in coupons and discounts into it. So if, I mean, that's, you're asking about free, but sometimes they've already prepaid for a package. So they don't have to check out online. They don't have to go through any of the transactions that they've already paid. They can just go online, fulfill their order that was promised to them by the photographer, and they check out. So kind of a two-fold answer but yeah if you want a free event then you create your free event 
Very yeah. cool. Now, what about the commerce back end? Is uh, is that up to the photographer, or do you handle that all the way through? So, like, you know, once I go in and I, I, I upload my images and I say, okay, I'll, if you want to order a 5x7 or an 8x10 from this image, it's this much. So what happens from right. that point? Is it sent off to a lab, or is it, does it go to you, and how does the money exchange hands? This is where we really put a lot of time into because we, we just wanted to be everything to everybody photography. So we kind of gave three different levels. Um, so basically a photographer can either handle their own transactions. So they'll accept payment from their customers. And then if there is any fees coming back to Coltex a day, we would bill them or we can handle all the transactions. And if there was any fees associated with that transaction, we would then pay the photographer. But the best part about it, and I don't know if you wanted to get into this after, but what we really feel differentiates us from anything else is we're not just America, we're not just Canada, and we're not just Australia. I mean, I think the problem is the sites that are up right now, they might be in the States, but if you have someone in Australia who wants to, like, use that platform, the lab you're kind of restricted to their lab. So if all your guests are in Australia and the lab is in the States, it doesn't work because all the shipping comes from the States and Australians don't necessarily want to use anything that's America in that particular case. Yeah. But the second part of that is most photographers, most ones that I'm associated with, already have been working with labs and they feel com- they have a comfort level with the lab they're working with. It's a complete trust thing. They don't have to look at the proofs. They don't have to look at the final prints. Yeah. They basically just send it out. So in that case, um, they can they can pretty much choose whatever lab they want. They can sign them up on our network, and away they go. Very cool. Very cool. Okay, so then, so you're you're launched now. So if someone wants to, it's hard to get an idea of what the you know the feel of the service is through audio. So when when if people want to say, you know what, hey, I'm listening to this, I want to follow along online. How do they do that? Is there like a demo or something that they can just poke around and sort of get a feel for what the service offering is? Well, we feel like our, our front page interface kind of is self-explanatory. Like if they want to come on, they can pretty much sign up pretty easily. But we really tried to dumb it down, so to speak. Like I'm not like a lot of photographers are really aren't that tech savvy. So we really try to simplify it. So they literally we kind of hold their hand through it. So as they sign up, they basically say step one: create your website if you don't have a website. Create your price list, create your package, upload your gallery, and promote it. Like it's just really, really simplified. So that's very cool. That's very cool. No, well, congratulations on the service, man. It's it sounds. You know, I love to see all this entrepreneurial activity in the photography space because it's, you know, it's interesting because we, like you said at the beginning, beginning. The thing is, for photographers, we just want to shoot. You know, we're very simple animals. We just, we just, yeah. we, we just want to shoot and, you know, maybe share a couple of them, you know. And, and if we're in business for ourselves, we want to shoot and get paid for what we did, you know, with the least amount of friction between the press of that shutter button and the cha-ching in our bank account, right? So Exactly. It, it's not that it's not that crazy. So it's it's great that that you and services like this are like GoPixit are coming up to help us remove the time necessary to to be behind the computer 
and not in Lightroom or Aperture or Photoshop. You know, so I, I appreciate that. Thank you for building this. So, um, we'll, well, where can people go to find out more about GoPixit and all that? Is it just, would you like everyone to just go to GoPixit.com? I would love them to go to GoPixit.com. I mean, we, especially for your users, we have a two-week trial, but I, I want to extend it to a month trial. I just, at this point, want everyone using this service, like at least giving it a shot. Um, and they can see for themselves, like, how easy it is. And... It really manages your business. I mean, there's really nothing to do but shoot once it's all done and set up. So, Okay, so that, that brings up a good point. Um, pricing. What's the price structure for this? How much am I going to be paying? So on the light level, I mean, there's no, there's no price. Um, there's no entry price or anything like that. We basically give you a free account. We give you up to one gig of storage, so you still have enough room to, to host a couple events online. And at that point, um, we take 18% of your sales from a commission point of view. But on the pro level, this is where we're a, a big differentiator. We're really cost-effective versus uh, any other competitors. Is we give you unlimited access. So you can upload as many galleries as you want, um, but we only take 10% of uh, the sale. And I th- the the our competitors are around 15 to 18%. So it's quite a cost savings. So we're kind of hoping to get some of the users that already have some accounts just to at least try us out because obviously there's substantial savings if all your sales are coming from online sales. Very cool. Very cool. Just so that I'm clear there, so it's a free – if I sign up for free, um, it's 18%. What what differentiates a free account from a pro account, though? It's really just storage level. So once you have your – on a pro account, you have unlimited storage levels – and you can also handle your own uh, transactions. You can use your own lab on a pro level, and uh, you can print your own orders and collect your own orders. You just have a little bit more functionality on the back end, but still, the entire site having like side by um, finished comparisons and multiple priceless packages, like all the bells and whistles you get through all the levels. You just have a little bit more control from a lab perspective and obviously a lot more storage and cost savings at pro level. So Wonderful. That's the, very cool. The light, the light level really, like, I mean, look out, the spectrum of photographers is all over the place, from, from someone who just shot their first shot, thinks they can sell it, to an established photographer. So we kind of want to give a range to everybody, but we really have catered. You know, we're thinking photo- a pro photographer in mind, but it, it can handle pretty much anybody's work. So. Wonderful. All right. Well, Gary, thank you for, for chatting with me today about Go Pixit. Congratulations on, I guess this would be the third launch, right? The third final launch. So congratulations on that. And once again, if TWIP listeners, if you want to uh, go check out Go Pixit, just head over to Go Pixit. It's G-O-P-I-X-I-T dot com. That's correct. Okay, you can learn more about GoPixit at gopixit.com. That's G-O-P-I-X-I-T dot com. Or you can also check out Gary's studio website at www.lastmanstudios.com. That's L-A-S-S-M-A-N studios.com. All right, guys, it's time for some listener Q&A. This is the segment where our guests answer questions that have come in online via our various online presences the first question is question number one sarah france this is for you it's about model releases for advertising photographers from brian kaminsky you want to read it and take it on sure 
Um, Brian says, I was wondering if you could extend the discussion on model releases to portrait photographers who want to use the photos to, quote unquote, commercially advertise themselves. Do I need a model release to use a portrait someone pays me to take? Um, so this is an interesting question. Um, I, I think that every area of the somewhat of the country can be a little bit different on this. So um, typically how how we cover ourselves in this situation is that um, there's a distinction here between when you are using an image to advertise your own business and when you are taking an image and selling it and making money off of it. So at least here and in the wedding industry, um, how we how we handle it and and utilize model releases somewhat is in our contracts. So in the contract for for all of my clients, um, portrait and wedding, they sign a contract that basically says that we have the right to use their images, um, images of them to advertise our own business. Um, and in this, you have to be a little bit careful. Also, if you have a second shooter with you. And they would like to use the images. You need to cover that in your contract as well if you want to let them use that. But that's a reason that we don't allow our second shooters to um, use images that were shot from the studio is just because of this. But with model releases, um, if you're using anything like selling images, so for images that like Apple uses of mine, um, we absolutely have to have a model release for every single person that is recognizable in that photo. So they can't use a single image um, that has somebody in it that is that is obviously recognizable um, if we don't have a model release for them. So there's something that I would tell you to continue to look into. It depends a little bit on your circumstance specifically, Brian, but I would say if you are looking to use the image to advertise your own business, um, it would be helpful to have that in your portrait contract going forward. Uh, and also, but I would say that typically in our marketplace place, at least it's it's not a huge issue. Now, there's one other thing to keep in mind. If you are working with a um, celebrity of some sort, then absolutely, I would definitely recommend that you find out more information of um, getting a model release from them because those will definitely be can have issues and they're definitely going to be looking for either a contract or, or something and be a little more a little more on the heavy side of um, if you can use the image or not. But the majority of people are happy to have you use their images and it's not a problem at all. So I hope that helped. Very cool. That was a good answer. Now, Don, now what it, how does this apply in Canada? Like what, what Sarah said, or is it the same or different? Well, it's a little bit different. In Canada, um, the copyright laws are a little bit outdated, and there's been a number of attempts to uh, to renew them, but I don't think anything's passed through. Um, if somebody pays you to take a picture of them or a picture for any reason, um, they own all rights to the photograph, you own nothing, and uh, if you don't put anything to the contrary in a contract, then you're a loss. You can't do anything with it. Uh, so in in Canada, the contract is a very, very important thing, and uh, if it's uh, if the wording is wrong for whatever reason, you can get into a lot of trouble. Wow, very cool, Sil. Do you have anything to add to that? 
No, it's good insights. Um, just I'll throw out once again, as I try to every show, um, ASMP.org has great free online tutorials about all aspects of photo law, photo contracts, or doing as an organization, trade organization, a really great public service to trying to get a lot of fundamental info out there. So I would just encourage everybody to go check ASMP.org and look at those online resources as well for additional insights. I would I would totally agree with that. I actually interviewed uh, the man running ASMP, Eugene Mopsik, on the show a couple of weeks ago. Um, so if you go to thisweekinphoto.com and just search for ASMP or Eugene Mopsik, you'll find you'll I, I think that might be in a show, but you'll at least find the episode where that uh, where that interview appears. Okay, question number two. This one just came in today. So um, it's about getting started in the photo business. Michelle M., I'm not going to say her full name um, because of she was pretty passionate in that email. But she said, <laughs> she's, she's a 26-year-old TWIP listener from Italy, and she graduated with a degree in physics engineering in 2010. And she said she's tired of her useless job, which is why I'm not saying who she is. <laughs> so in case she wants to keep that job a little while longer. Um, and she says she's looking to get into photography. Presumably, I think she was talking about weddings and portraiture because she mentioned you, Sarah, and she also mentioned the Going Pro book um, that is by uh, – who is Going Pro by? Oh, Scott Bourne and Skip Cohen. So um, from, that pers- from that perspective, Sarah, she's looking for – in her email, she said, give me three steps for getting started and she put the caveat in there that listening to twip can't be one of the steps (laughs) (laughs) Um, well darn no um, and and don and sil the number one thing i would tell her to do is to get some images under her belt so shoot and shoot what you're passionate about so developing your style early and, and getting some images out that you're just so proud of is really important. So if you want to shoot weddings, then I encourage you to like find a friend who got married a couple of years ago or anyone with a wedding dress and um, ask them to get in it and take some pictures and just go shoot what like really gets you excited and get some images that you're just so thrilled to share with the world. And that will really get things rolling a little bit in in people seeing the vision of what you are wanting to do with your life and will kind of turn things in the right direction. Um, secondly, I'd say while you still have a good day job um, or a day job you hate, a day job at all, um, <laughs> I would take the money that you make from photography and reinvest it in your gear. So keep the job, do photography on the side, Really like um, shoot for your friends, shoot for your friends, cousins, aunts, like sister, whatever, and just shoot as much as you can. And all the money you get from that, just throw it back into gear so that you can really have the gear that you want to get started. Once you're ready to leave that day job and and get on your feet, you won't need to come up with the funds because you will have have earned it basically and that can take a little bit of time but man will it get eat the fire lit to like get some shoots and get going and the third thing i would say is like is find someone that you can shoot with um like a a photographer locally in Italy that needs someone to carry their bags or anyone that you can gain experience from that's local to you. 
um, absolutely offer to to carry their bags, offer to shoot for them for free, offer anything you can to get experience in what and see what other photographers are doing and like really get your feet wet in in the industry, either whether that's wedding or portrait or whatever it is that you're looking to do. So you can get a good feel for what life's going to be like, for what being at an event like that is going to be like as well. And then once you're ready, you'll know when to pull the trigger. Um, One of two things will happen. You'll either get fired because you hate your job so much that they're just going (laughs) to see it and let you go at some point. It it happens all the time. Or you're going to hit that mark when you're like, okay, I've got all the gear I want. I've got, you know... 10 weddings book for the next year. I think I, I think I can do this. So, um, it's great to have a day job when you're getting into this process because, you know, starting your own business can be, is a lot, it's a lot of work and, and it's super exciting and amazing, but it's really nice to have just that little bit of security to fall back on, to let you kind of get there in your own time and, and, hopefully as quickly as possible. And if you really need help, you can fly me out to Italy. It's fine. I don't mind. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, your personal tutorial from Sarah France. It's just a plane ticket and uh, maybe some wine and a hotel room, right? <laughs> <laughs> some wine. Yeah, fine. there you go. <laughs> now, now, Syl, what about you? What, what advice would you give to Michelle on getting started? Not necessarily three steps, but like what, what would be your number one step if she's thinking of making a jump into the world of photography? So Frederick, did you come, did you ask me, sorry, you cut out there for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. I was, yeah, I was asking you, I was like, what would be your, what would be your number one step for Michelle for her making the jump from corporate America into the world of photography? Yeah. The most important thing when somebody says, Hey, I really want to get into photography because I love making photographs is to realize, uh, as Sarah said, it really is a business. And um, I always tend to go really negative when people want some life advice. But <laughs> gosh, you know, it, it is really, really hard to keep your passion up um, when you're dealing with things, you know, like accounting and uh, business permits and marketing and clients who aren't satisfied. I mean, the reality is, there's any one thing I would tell somebody who says, I want to quit my day job, even if you are a physics engineer, um, because I'm passionate about photography, is you've got to realize you spend so little time actually shooting and so much time doing all the other things that any business owner does. And that's the reality of being a professional photographer. Yeah, that's great. Hey, Don, you, do you have any, anything to add to that? I was going to say almost exactly what Syl did, and uh, to add further on to it, uh, I mean, our, our local college here offers night courses in business management and accounting and that kind of stuff. And uh, and while you're still working at your day job, you know, sign up for one of those courses. See if you know owning your own business is what you want to do, and not just take pictures. Because, uh, like Syl said, you're going to spend more time being a small business owner than you will be a photographer. Uh, and, and on the more positive side, you might want to try and look at uh, some workshops. If anybody in the area is uh, holding uh, portrait workshops or anything of that nature, sign up. Go and uh, network. Meet new people that are interested in the same things as you and learn a lot, of, a lot from that. And I think that would be a very good uh, building opportunity for you. 
I think that's that's great. And I would add on to that. There's this cool book that I'm holding in my hand right now. It's called Lid Lips, Lessons I Didn't Learn <laughs> in Photo School, 100 Modern Insights on Photography as Art, Philosophy, Science, Business, and Lifestyle by Syl Arena. So definitely check it out. I think, Syl, this was your first book, right? Yeah, it was a little self. It was it was um, in 2010. I did a hundred of those little kind of what I call micro essays uh, on pixelated. I kicked out two to four a week, and then at the end of the year, when I had a hundred, it's like okay. Uh, and so that was my first book. Self published it, um, still in print. So um, and it's you know you keep it on top of the toilet tank, right? Because that's really where it belongs. So it's, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, just it's... something you pick up and you put down from time to time, and you read little bits and insights. No, this is a this is a good book, and it's it's easily digestible. You should make an ebook out of this. This is so I can put it yeah. on. My, I need it needs In to be on my iPhone. Time. All right, um, all right, kids. It is time for the pick of the week segment. And just listeners, I apologize if you're hearing some dropouts from me from time to time. Something weird is going on with Skype today that is cutting out and some weird duplexing thing. Guests can't hear me when I'm talking, and I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, so please, we'll we'll get that fixed by the next show. Um, but anyway, it's time for the pick of the week segment. And remember, your pick can be anything as long as it is somehow related to photography. Sarah France, ladies first. What's your pick of the week? Um, my pick of the week this week is a site called Song Freedom. And Song Freedom is a website where you can buy license free, you can buy licenses to use songs, um, you know, for different uses with photography. But they, the coolest thing about them is that they have real songs. They have like real songs and real artists. They have like Jason Mraz and, you know, just a ton of really great artists. So, um, you should definitely check them out. I just, I just got a song, uh, from David Gray. There's train, uh, Rob Thomas, just a ton of amazing artists. So they, the price for them is pretty, you know, you can buy per song now, which you didn't used to be able to do, but they also have a membership option. So you can do like, I think the one option is like 50 songs for the year. And, um, that's the one that we're looking at, but it can be, be a little expensive, but to get amazing real songs and have license, um, to those songs is, is great. So I definitely recommend checking them out if you're looking for some license free music. Very cool. And that's songfreedom.com songfreedom.com I wonder I wonder if they have any tracks from Snoop Lion in there Snoop Lion <laughs> You know Snoop Dogg changed his name to Snoop Lion I'm no, just saying No he didn't Yes he did <laughs> Did he really <laughs> He did he did. I'm not laughing, mate. No, you know. you're, I totally think you're joking right now. <laughs> Google Snoop Lion, and you will find out that Snoop Dogg is no longer the DLWG. DLWG. He is now Snoop L I O N. I don't know if oh. that maybe it has something to do with Apple and is the that release like of Mountain correlated Lion. to the OS or? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, moving on from Snoop Lion to Don Komarechka. Don, what is your pick of the week? Well, it's uh, it's tangentially related to photography, uh, going on the idea that most photographers out there probably have a, a pretty decent computer that they do a lot of their editing and a lot of their work on. And uh, if they're like me, most of the time that computer is sort of sitting there idle. And uh, even if I'm just browsing the web or answering email, it's not really uh, crunching numbers as uh, as much as it possibly could. And all that number crunching capability can be put to good use. 
So my pick of the week is Folding at Home, which is a distributed computing uh, program that's put on by uh, Stanford University. And, and basically what they try to do is use all of your spare computer horsepower to find out exactly the way proteins fold and more importantly, the way they misfold. Um, proteins will change their state in your body. And this is getting really geeky for a second here. Uh, but so when, it, when a protein is in your body and it's actually doing something, it's changing its molecules around and it's being impacted by things around it. Uh, but a lot of the diseases that we currently don't have cures for are caused when proteins misfold. So this whole research is, is around figuring out what exactly causes these proteins to do things that they're not supposed to. And that causes like half of all cancers and Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's and, and the list goes on. Um, they've been doing this for many years. I've, I've been uh, contributing my, my computer to it for at least 10 years now. And uh, they've published many meaningful uh, papers. They've got, uh, you know, drug designs in the works. And, and I, I feel like I am, uh, I, I feel like I can go to, go to bed and, and sleep well at night when I know my computer is chugging away trying to, to help solve these world problems. And I want to put it out to TWIP, uh, to all the, the TWIP listeners out there to sign up for Folding at Home. And, uh, Frederick, we should start a, uh, a TWIP folding at home team because what they've done is they've set it up whenever you submit a, a unit of work back to their uh, server, you get points for it. And you can sign up and have everybody put those points towards a team, a common goal, and try and overtake other teams of people uh, crunching these numbers that's around cool. the world. So I, I think that's something that's pretty worthwhile. Everybody should think about doing and uh, we should all fly it under the TWIP banner. I love it. And that's really cool. You know what that reminds me of? Uh, you remember SETI at home? They were doing yeah. the, the search for extraterrestrial uh, intelligence. They were doing something similar with a, a SETI screensaver that you'd install the screensaver software on your computer. And whenever your computer went idle and the screensaver kicked in, it would use those, those back-end processes or those idle processes to analyze data from their sat from the uh, the SETI antenna to look for extraterrestrial life so and they're still doing that except they haven't found anything yet they still yeah well they've you know it's i, I was watching a documentary today they were talking about is the they drew the analogy of how much we've seen or been able to see so far or or analyze so far is analogous to taking a bucket and scooping out some of the ocean and <laughs> that, that is about how far we've gotten <laughs> <laughs> I, I would much rather put my uh, processors towards solving Earth's problems than uh, giving us more problems out there in space. I 100% agree. I would turn your computers over to folding at home before SETI. Um, you probably have more of a chance to solve something in our lifetimes. So, Very cool. All right, folding at home. And next up is Mr. Sil Arena. What is your pick of the week? Well, I'm up here in the central coast of Maine in the town of Rockport, which is uh, the home to the Maine Media Workshops and College. So I want to give a shout out. Um, an absolutely incredible program that they run up here. I'm looking at the schedule for um, next week and the week after when I'm teaching. Um, some really, really great names up here in Maine. I have to say this is my second summer up here. Uh, I came up two weeks early. That's how much I love it in Maine. So if you're looking for um, an excuse to come up to uh, Maine, they've got classes in photography, classes in multimedia, and classes in filmmaking. So um, head over to mainmedia.edu and check out the rest of their summer and their new fall schedule. Very cool. All right. Thanks for that, Sil. 
And my pick of the week, I have one book and one television show. Oh, the book is the Adobe Photoshop Lightroom 4 Classroom in a Book. It's for, it goes for 29 bucks on Amazon, and I'm just about through it now. And, it, you know, I got to say, most people know that I'm pretty intimate with Lightroom, and it um, has a place near and dear in my heart. But it, uh, if you are you want to squeeze every bit of performance of Lightroom out of that software, get that book. And there's another one that's out that I'll throw in there. It's called the Adobe Photoshop Lightroom 4 book, The Complete Guide for Photographers, and that one's by Martin Evening. Now, that one I've talked about before, but these two books, if you go through the classroom in a book first, it's thinner. If you go through the classroom in a book first, you'll have a solid foundation in Lightroom, and then if you kick it up to Martin's book, which is kind of like, you know, the advanced you want to really get into the DNA level and the quarks and all that stuff involved with Lightroom, then you get that book. And when you finish both of these books, you'll be teaching workshops on Lightroom. It's that, <laughs> it's that level of knowledge. So definitely check those two out. My second pick is uh, an HBO special. I think it aired last week and it may be coming on again, but keep an eye out for it. It's called About Face, Supermodels Then and Now. And it's really interesting to hear their insights on just the world of modeling and how things have changed and the things that they went through and how they deal with photographers and all that stuff. It's If you're at all interested in shooting people, photographing people, uh, models in particular, um, definitely check that out. All right. It is, we're at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. Sarah France, where can people go to uh, connect and find out more about you? Um, you can always go to my website at sarahfrance.com or you can find me on Facebook, on Twitter, all over the social media sites, Sorry. Google Plus, wherever. Very cool. And that's Sarah, S-A-R-A, France, right? Yes. Like the country. All right. And Mr. Don Komarechka, where are you at on the internets? Easiest place to find me is at doncom.ca. It's D-O-N-K-O-M.ca. Uh, but I'm probably the most active on Google Plus right now, so seek me out there if you can find me. And uh, and pretty much posting something every day, so check it out. Awesome. All right. And finally, Mr. Sill Arena, where are you at online? We know physically in the in the metaverse you are <laughs> on the East Coast, um, but where P-I-X. L-A-T-E-D.com. That's my blog. And my portfolio online is stillarena.com as well as Twitter, Google Plus, and all the rest. All right. Perfect. Well, you were cutting out a little bit. I just want to make sure people get that. You're pixelated. P-I-X-S-Y-L-A-T-E-D.com is Sill's website. All right, folks, if you want to keep up with everything the TWIP universe, you can check out thisweekinphoto.com. Also, please support our show by leaving us a comment on iTunes. We really appreciate it when we hear from you over there. And speaking of iTunes, please be sure to check out the TWIP podcast app. It's a handy way to keep up with our shows as soon as they are released. And finally, if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at frederickvan.com. And with that... It is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn. With technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.